Hello and welcome to the Core Build Podcast, where we believe aligning people and processes with purpose and value is the best way to create a thriving business. I'm your host, Frank Keck, and today I'm chatting with Joel Goldberg of Joel Goldberg whatever presentations. And you also have a side job, which I think we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah. So good morning. How are you, Frank? I'm good. You're looking dapper today, man. You got a new shirt. It's ironed. I always, no, I don't know if it's ironed or not. I don't even know if it's new, but uh, you know, I try. It's important to look good on a podcast. That's true. I wore this. This is my Joel Goldberg shirt. I kind of feel like you when I wear it. So, we, I think we have shown up at events looking the same before. Yeah, people often confuse us. Yes, I know. Yeah, it's not. It's not easy being you. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It, and you know what? It's not easy being you. I've tried. So keep trying. Yeah. So I wanted to start off today uh, so that we can get to know you a little bit. So my first question is, who's your favorite cartoon character and why? You know, I saw you do this at an event when we did the mini culture con. And I think that I ended up exchanging cartoon characters with our friend Aaron Falk. And I don't remember what hers was, and I don't remember what I made up at that point either. So I have to make up another one. All right. But as a kid, I know this isn't that exciting, but I did like Bugs Bunny a lot. Bugs Bugs is cool. Yeah. Also, the Roadrunner. I thought the Roadrunner was pretty fun. So what do you like best about Bugs? The humor, the personality, the fun. Okay. You know, always having fun. Plus, he's a pretty good baseball player, too. You know, you get out there and do that baseball stuff. There's a lot of cartoon characters. I I, I like I like Papa Smurf too. <laughs> so what do you like about Papa Smurf? I don't know. He's just like that sage, <laughs> you know, that sage guy that was that everybody looked up to. And I don't know. He was a fun guy. So uh, I love that answer. And there's there's no like there's no rhyme or reason to that answer. I just. I don't think that you expected me to bring up Papa Smurf. No, so I got I was, the laugh I, that I wanted. I did to. not think of that when I woke up this morning. Uh, but there actually is a rhyme or reason to it, okay. because as you may or may not remember, the character that you pick and what you like best about him is mm -hmm. often how you see yourself. Yeah. So I will always look at you now as Joel Smurf. Yeah, I, I don't know if you'd look at me as Sage, but I mean, I've got the white hair, so there's that. And you wear blue. I wear blue a lot, not today, but most of the time. Right. And. I'm bigger than him, but that's okay. But Bugs Bunny, he had the, um, you say had, does he still exist? I don't know. I know Bugs Bunny. I don't know Bunny. if talk about him in the past tense or the present, but he's got that sense of humor. That, you know, he's he's fun. He is. I learned like uh, I learned of um, opera from Bugs Bunny. Wow. When he sang The Barber of Seville. <laughs> <laughs> so, you never know where you're going to learn. You People might know. learn something today from our podcast. I might learn something today from yeah, our podcast. Well, hopefully. All right. So, here's my list of questions okay. that I'm supposed to ask. Who, By the way, who? I mean, you, you keep saying like you, you're supposed to ask. Like, yeah. Who, who has tasked you with this? So, uh, you both know our friend Aaron Folk yeah. with Lillian James. Yes. And so, they're producing uh, this program. Yes. And so they said, okay, well, you need to come up with a list of questions. And okay. that way you kind of have some consistency. Okay. So we did the first podcast with Aaron. And of course, I don't think I asked like maybe two questions on the list. So I have a so list they've try. typed out for me. It looks okay. really nice and professional. Yeah, it does look good. And um, 
but we'll just kind of see where it goes. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're talking about um, creating alignment. And um, so we talked about your favorite cartoon character. And so you and I know each other, we've talked in the past, but if you would just kind of share your story, uh, kind of growing up and, and for those of you that don't know, Joel um, works, does some work with the Kansas City Royals World Champions 2015. And uh, you have a pretty cool gig. You get to, to work with the players and, and build relationships yep. there. So just kind of how did you get from little kid growing up mm -hmm. in Chicago and Philly to here? Okay, I'll try to give the, there is no short version, but I'll, I'll do my best, which most people that know me know is never very easy. But grew up loving sports, probably dreaming of, you know, hitting hitting the home run in game seven of the World Series like like any kid that loved sports. Realized pretty early on that that was not going to happen. Um, not only did I have no chance of hitting that home run, but I had no chance of playing at that level um, or any level of significance for that matter. But I, I was always the kid, even before I figured that out, that would go into school and drive my teachers nuts, wanting to tell them about what happened the night before, the game that I watched, the box score that I saw. I mean, as early as first and second grade. So I had this love and passion for uh, updating people, keeping people in in the know, which of course has changed so much nowadays with social media, but I, I always like to be the one to break that news. I always love to tell stories. So pretty early on, certainly early teen years, I knew I wanted to be on TV. Um, fast forward 24 years in the business, uh, worked a, a lot of years, small markets to bigger markets, local news, uh, doing sports on local news um, or TV stations, and, and then moving into regional sports and then eventually moving to Kansas City in 2008. The cool part about this job is that because in Kansas City we don't have an NBA or an NHL team, forget about NFL because those are all national broadcasts on TV, there's not really much of a big need for us to have a huge staff because in every other city I go to, you see somebody hosting baseball and then they move on. Next time you're there, it's somebody else because that person was working hockey or basketball or whatever. So in doing that, I host over 300 shows a summer, pre and post game shows, and I'm the only reporter. Every, every other city, they might have a reporter and a host or, or three or four or five people doing it. Right. So I kind of have this, and I didn't apply for this job and move to Kansas City understanding the branding of it, but like me, don't like me, and I'm cool with either way. I prefer that they like me, but I'm the one that's going to be on every single night. And and I didn't, I don't know that I understood the value in not just branding, but in building those relationships with the players because I'm there every day. And, you know, in past jobs, I worked in St. Louis before here, there were three of us doing what I do now. And I might show up and I wasn't there the previous three days and I don't really know what's been covered. I don't know if these questions have been asked or who's been talked to. Right. You got to kind of jump back on the bike or on the horse and and get going again. But but for me right now, I mean, as soon as this season starts, it is every day pretty much for six months. So we, you and I have talked before and uh, so you do a podcast, Rounding the Bases, which is awesome. You have really great guests and, um, and, and you do, you're doing more and more speaking on culture, mm -hmm. which is kind of where you and I connect a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but as we've been talking, you um, 
you talk about your relationships with the players in, in your presentations. Um, but I think it's really cool. Uh, and you and I have talked off, off camera, off mic, whatever, off road, mm -hmm. uh, just about some of those relationships and how have you, you know, people don't really think about, Oh, well, there's what, how many players on a team? 20, 25, 25. So you got to have relationships with all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, building culture is really about, uh, building relationships, creating alignment. So, if you could just pick like one or two people and, and maybe it's players, other broadcasters, whomever, but just kind of talk about one or two, like how do you build relationships with, with, uh, you know, you get all the new players every year mm -hmm. and just talk about building those relationships. Well, I think it's easier now. I mean, I'm going into my 12th season. So if you start to look at some of these guys that are new on the team, if they're 22 years old, you know, do the math here. They were 10 years old when I started, not that they were, necessarily Royals fans growing up in California or the Dominican Republic or whatever. But if you have a new guy that's first making the team at 22, 25 years old, there's a good chance that he's been in the minors two, three, four years. And so I started building that relationship, just the little initial touches of, of introducing and then saying hi, as you see a guy like that when he's 19, 20, 21 years old in the minor leagues. So in theory, when they make it to the big leagues, they have already been aware of me for two or three years, I'm not just some random stranger, at least when I'm dealing with the Kansas City Royals. Also becomes a little bit easier for say teams within the division because we see the White Sox and the Indians and the Twins and uh, who am I leaving out to the Tigers, 19 games a year. So I don't need as much from them. I really try right. to keep my focus on the Royals. However, those are familiar faces on those teams. And then just over the years, word of mouth gets out. So there is right now only one player on the 20 25-man roster for the Royals that was here when I got here in 08. Everybody else has moved on or retired or whatever. Right. But word gets around. And so as the next wave comes in and you meet them, and then as the next wave comes in, you hope that that they pass on, hey, this guy's okay. Because it is a fraternity like any profession. You you tend to flock towards the ones you know and you you know you look out for each other. I, I'm not a former athlete. I, I My partners that played the game at the big league level have a leg up on me, which is fine. We're all teammates. I, I'm not trying to compete with them. But it's a lot easier for them to get that recognition or that respect because they've walked in those players' shoes. With that said, it's my goal every single day to try, try to walk in these guys shoes and try to understand what they go through. I've never stepped in the batter's box except for a occasional once or twice off a looking batting practice. I've never been on the mound. I've never come in from the bullpen before, but I try every day to understand what they go through. And, and by that, I don't mean just what it's like to step in the batter's box. I mean, what's it like to be playing in front of all these people? What's it like to also, oh, by the way, you know, have to go be dad at home or be a right. husband at home and people don't think about the fact that these guys forget about the fact that they're making millions of dollars or oh by the way Mike Trout just signed a 420 430 million dollar contract today for and it was only for one year yeah, just one year you know no hey uh was it 12 years 430 yeah. million dollars he's the best player in baseball that doesn't mean and I don't know or not but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have problems like the rest of us and so I mean it's that old lesson of money doesn't just you know, buy you everything. So trying to understand, trying to read them, trying to see every single day uh, what they're going through and understanding when to push buttons, when to give them space. And, and in doing that, and this is all about relationships, 
That, and, and by the way, I, I don't necessarily consider any of them my good friends. I, but to me, I know I've I've made it in terms of relationship when I feel like I can call or text a guy if I need something, which right. by the way, might never happen. It might happen once a year, it might happen once ever. But knowing that if I text it, or maybe the greater sign is this, when, when a player achieve some kind of milestone or their wife has a baby or they're out and they're injured for the year and and i usually wait a couple days give them space because i'm not top on their priority list but wait a couple days and then send a text congratulations or hey i'm sorry this happened or hey i'm thinking of you you know after your dad died and i always get a response back and that's when you know that that you're at least being respected and and then that leads to better interviews that leads to better chemistry that leads to better presence on camera this doesn't all happen by accident and i think that that um, i think those methods apply to to almost anything in life absolutely so a couple things that i heard number one uh it's about your reputation so what's the reputation that you're putting out there? Mm-hmm. You've gotten to know these guys through the years. And not just for the players, but for the fans too. Well, but I'm like your reputation with the players, right? It has nothing to do with the fans or anybody else, but just what do these players hear about Joel Goldberg, mm-hmm. the broadcaster, right? So so I think, because I think that's something sometimes in business we don't think about, but we all have a reputation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's your reputation and what does it say about you? Uh, the other thing is uh, what I heard you say is you're very curious. Mm-hmm. Where are these people coming from? What are they thinking about? What's their life about? And so rather than being judgmental, you approach it from a curiosity perspective, uh, which I think opens you up. And and so people feel more comfortable with you. Yeah, I think. And, and I also think, well, I, I think that in general, most people overcomplicate things. We make things so difficult and we don't need to. I'll give you this example. Uh, and I have this philosophy, again, being in the clubhouse pretty much every day. I mean, it's a 162-game season. We usually do 150 games. We're doing 161 of 162 this year. Uh, the other one's on ESPN. So that's a lot of time together. You spend that amount of time with anyone, you're going to drive each other nuts. And my philosophy is when I walk into a room, I don't want guys running the other way. Now, in general, in all sports, and then just to kind of explain the way it works, the the locker room, the clubhouse and baseball is typically open 45 minutes to an hour every day. Um, teams have different designated times, but it's, it's generally three and a half hours before the game. And so that's when it's open. You can go in there. It's every day. And then you can catch guys on the field during batting practice, at least in passing. But that doesn't mean they're going to be sitting at their lockers. And a lot of guys are going and they're busy and they're, you know, again, trying to get in their their head a little bit and in their shoes. Maybe they're working out. Maybe they're seeing the trainer because 25 guys can't see the trainer at the same time. Right. Maybe they're off in a private room dealing with something at home. But sometimes they might just be going in the lounge to hang out because, you know what, I don't feel like dealing with all the media. And... They don't have an obligation to do that. Again, it's not like football. It's every single day. And there are some guys that are fine just being in there every day. There are a lot of other guys that aren't. Um, You tend to see a lot of these Spanish-speaking players out there because the media is going to generally avoid them unless they really need something because sometimes it comes with a translator. To me, that's an opportunity. So a couple things. I see um, a few of the Dominican guys sitting together. I'll just go over and chat with them 
No, I don't need a camera to do it. Just check in. How's it going? Joke a little bit. Nobody else is. Just take an interest. And uh, and I don't need anything, but it's building little relationships. But the other thing, this is what I I was initially going to mention about overcomplicating or not, is I can't tell you how many times I'll see members of the media walk in. In fairness, a lot of the, say, TV folks, they might come once a week. I get that. I lived in that world for local news. They're they're lucky if they can get a camera. Uh, There's a breaking fire. There's weather. There's this. There's that. It's hard to get a camera in sports. So when they come, they need to get a week's worth of material. They need to stockpile stuff so that they can have things in case they don't come back or we're going on the road. I'm with them on the road. I'm there every single day. So my philosophy in, in not having them run the other way is just kind of read body language. If I know these guys every single day or from around them, take a look and see, do they look like they're willing to do an interview right now or not? And then how badly do I need it? So I see a guy and the body language shows that he's busy. I don't know doing what, but he looks like he's in a rush. Right. He's running to his locker and he looks like he's out. Does it do me any good to walk up to him and say, can you do this interview when it's going to lead to a rejection? Nobody likes rejecting anyone else. Or there's a reason why people would prefer to have someone else say no for you. It's not easy to say no face to face. So why do I want to put them in that spot of having to be uncomfortable? Because what that means is the next time they're going to avoid me. So here's what I do. And I'll constantly watch members of the media go walking over to ask a guy, hey, can you do this interview? And I answer in my head, I already know because I could see it. So my producer wanted a soundbite from that person that day too. But you know what? It's not that important, at least in my mind. I can go get a coach to talk about it. If it is that important, I have to have this answer today. I will walk up to that player and say, you look like you're busy right now. And I don't want to slow you down, especially because the rest of the media is going to all jump in too. I only need one thing, but I know this will set you back five minutes. You look busy. You have time later, somewhere down in the tunnel, away from everyone else to give me 30 seconds at your convenience. Works every single time. I'm putting it back in, in, you know, in their court, but right. also trying to be respectful of their time. And whether they know it or not, that goes a long ways. Again, it's all part of trust and relationships. Well, and it's you're, it's it's all about awareness. And so it's about you're awareness. aware of them and what are they going through, right. reading their body language, and just being aware of. They're, okay, they're here to play baseball. They're not here to analyze me. I just I just know what's going to get in their head. Right. You know, I roll, I don't, uh, you know, leave me alone. Oh, oh, here he comes again. Or more times than not, I'll just get a, hey, Joel, you're not going to come over and say hi? Am I too good for you? So that's when you know, like when they're giving you crap like that, that that you're in. There's a relationship. And and I'm not criticizing the, the rest of the media folks either. Uh, the beat writers, I think, go about things the way I do too. They need more than I do. But the rest of that media, they don't have the time to build those relationships. Well, I think it's like business too. So I would encourage people to think about, are you the beat writer that's going and talking to your people every once in a while, yeah. like only when you need something? Or what I hear you saying is, hey, it's a day-to-day relationship. It's a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. So I got to keep making deposits in the relationship. Every day. Then when I need a withdrawal, I can go do that. That's it. Right? And so I think that's that's the tie-in that I hear that the regular business people can do is make those deposits in that relationship. And, Be aware of those people. And and to use that, and I use that that deposit reference in, in my relationship speech, but one, continue to make those deposits. Right. I, I talk about it in terms of, of the water well. And when the well goes dry, there's nothing left in it. So you better make sure you're pouring into it. But in terms of, of deposits in in a checking account or the banking world, 
you don't want to be withdrawing more than you deposit. Right. So think about that in terms of your relationships. Are you asking more often than you're giving? Are you asking all the time? To me, I, I, I hope that I give a lot more than I ask. You know, that's a really great point, Joel, because I think sometimes, you know, as, as leaders or as managers, we ask a lot of our employees, but do we give back? That's right. That's, that's a really good point. So uh, lots of great things that you're doing to build those relationships and stuff. But as you mentioned before, you're not perfect. What's the biggest mistake that's happened to you that you learned from and now you're kind of glad that it happened? There, there are, I'm sure, mistakes every single day. So, I, And I would say most of them don't really resonate. Be, and that's more, that's a different topic, but that's more of when you're doing something every day, you, you understand you're not going to be perfect. And, and so those don't bother you. But there were, there was an incident and I won't mention a player's name because it's, it's not important and, and I don't want to, but um, there, there was, there was an incident a bunch of years ago, maybe five, six years ago at spring training where a player had said something to me on camera, which was really funny. It was actually about, his pregnant wife and he was talking about how many burgers she'd been eating or something like that. It was, it was <laughs> like probably not the smartest of things to do. Right. Maybe not too flattering. Right. But it was completely joking and it was, and so I tweeted what he said and which I still really didn't do anything wrong on that. But he got in a lot of trouble when he got back to his place that night. Cause she saw it. Now I start getting grief from players the next day and I actually come to find out that, and I think he was probably saving face, that he he had said to her and all of the guys, that was off the record. So when one of the players said, man, you got him in trouble. I said, well, I, you know, and he, he says, I mean, I said, well, I mean, he said it on camera. And the player goes, oh, it was on camera? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, he was making it out sound like it was off the record. I'm like, you don't make off the record comments on camera. It was like a formal interview. And so to me, like, that's all fair game. It was all good. So that I didn't really have any regrets about that. But then I had another player on the team, and this is where I won't mention name, that was giving me a lot of grief over it. And it was someone that I think was trying to kind of flex his muscles and show that he was going to be the leader. And, and I pushed back. And he and I ended up getting into a pretty good argument. And it was seen by some executives. And, you know, I got pulled in and it didn't matter right or wrong. What mattered was, in the end, this is a player's game. They they are your top performers. Doesn't mean that I was wrong. It means don't pick that fight with the guy that that is earning this company, uh, this organization, millions of dollars right. on a regular basis. So it was just a reminder to me that it doesn't mean that you need to suck up to them every single day. It doesn't mean that you have to walk on eggshells. But it does mean don't pick fights with people, and which I, which generally is not my uh, my style anyway. Right. Uh, but but again, was that moment so worth me? I mean, I, I was right in terms of I didn't do anything wrong, but I made it worse. Right. So just sort of understanding. I hate to say understanding your place because because that's also a mistake. Like sometimes you could sit there and when you start looking at it like pecking order, where you can really do yourself a disservice too. Um, but just understanding your place and why you're there. And then I wasn't there to be doing that. So it sounds like it's understanding your role. What do you bring to the to the bigger picture? 
and not sabotaging. I mean, it doesn't matter if all the players or anybody there viewed me as right. I was, I was attacking or going after one of them. Right. And and so and and there, I I came out of it fine, uh, but you start getting that reputation. And, you know, if I'm spending all that time, and again, the players don't know this and they don't need to know this, but if, if I'm spending all that time trying to keep them from running the other way, why would I want to give all that back? Right. So. How long did it take you to repair that relationship? It, it was fine. I mean, part of part of my comfort level in going after that player is he and I did have a good relationship. It right. was almost more of a combative two brothers type of thing. I mean, I could text him right now and, and you know, joke with him about things. So there, there were no issues. We've done plenty of things since. But I think my comfort level, this would be another left, uh, lesson too. Like when I said, I don't consider any of them really my good friends. Uh, to me, it's not a matter of, of they can't be my friends or it's not a matter of any kind of rules or, um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I have a journalism degree. Yes, I am media to an extent, but I'm a team broadcaster. The, the Royals don't sign my paycheck, but I'm in business just like anybody that's listening that's in business. I'm in a major business relationship and partnership with the Kansas City Royals, with Fox Sports, with the players, with the fans. And I'm in the middle of all of that. No one really ever tells me what to say or not to say. But getting back to the whole common sense discussion, there's a lot of common sense. I didn't use common sense that day. And so it didn't get me in major trouble. But if that, if that was a habit that I repeated and that became part of who I was, it wasn't, then there'd be a lot of, you know, there'd be a lot of issues to resolve. But that one went away pretty quickly. And it was a great learning experience of, again, I don't, I don't walk on eggshells there, but just how to handle some adversity like that. And I, I think I just got a little too comfortable. So I think I think there's a, there's kind of a theme here that I'm hearing, and that is um, it's it's being open and it's being honest, it's being curious, but it's that you, you focus on the long-term relationship. So then when you have the yes. short-term blow up or, or misstep or what, however you define it, that doesn't define the relationship. And so you can, but there's also like a rhythm. There's a rhythm. I think that's a great way to put it. There's a rhythm to all of it. And, and look over that many days, you're going to have some issues. And sometimes it's just that, you know, the modern day version of, of, um, what do we call it? Um, not phone tag, telephone or whatever it was called, right? Where where the message kind of changes as it goes along. So, you know, if, if any one of us say something on TV that could be viewed as just slightly critical, which by the way, we can do. I mean, I tell players all the time, if, 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 if you haven't had a hit in two weeks, I'm not gonna sit there and say you're playing great. But, you know, if, if you're 0 for your last 15, if you're 0 for your last 20, then you're probably going to hear me saying something along the lines of, you know, he's struggling right now. He knows it and you know, he needs to get out of this. I'm not saying anything he wouldn't say. It's it's not what you say. It's how you say it. Right. I, I say there, there are plenty of people in town or in any town that take your talk show hosts or your columnists, not the B writers, that are paid to give their opinions and say it a different way. That's not my job. And it's also not necessarily my job to break news. I'm capable of doing that. I'm much more in the liaison, the relationship business. I want to not only let people know what's going on, but I want to I want to give them that peek behind the curtain of what it's like to be around these guys and who they are. And the only way for me to do that is getting back to those relationships 
and 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 not picking fights and not making things difficult. So you you talked about building those relationships and 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 giving people a peek behind the curtain and now you're doing more and more speaking out in the community and you spoke recently at uh, culture con mm-hmm. you were kind of the cleanup hitter to use some of your vernacular yes um tell us about that experience and what's the difference for you being out in um, having a live audience like that versus being on TV? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. And first off, I guess I always did dream of being the cleanup hitter. And so I finally, you know, I finally arrived. It's just, it's just not uh, with a bat in hand. But it's different because uh, a few things. One, there's instant feedback, which is in some ways easier because you can react off of it. But at the same time, you know this, you've done plenty of speaking a lot longer than me. When you don't see that feedback. <laughs> well, when you don't see the feedback you want, you, want, you always so have feedback. You either, yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes that feedback could just be a dead room. Yeah. You know, you might have, uh, you, you might have people that look bored or looking at their phones, that's fine but you also might just have nothing. And that's a little unsettling. Yes. And then, but the flip side of that is that when you see, when you see some laughter, when you hear the groans, and by the groans, I mean just the emotion, you know, you take them on that little bit of that roller coaster, you know, pick them up. Uh, you know, if you, if you send down, send them down that emotional, you know, hole, you got to bring them back up. And, right. and so that, that's really exhilarating. The instant feedback afterwards as people want to come up and talk and say, hey, I learned this or I got that is totally different than TV. I, to me, TV is entertainment. And there is an entertainment aspect to what I'm doing as a speaker. I think one of the things that I'm trying to convince people of is I'm not just a former athlete or a sports guy coming to tell old war stories. The stories that I mean, you know this, Frank, the stories that I'm telling are very strategically placed and, and crafted to, to hopefully engage people, get them thinking, uh, hopefully to help them make some changes and, and learn and, and bring that back to their work or even their personal lives. And so there's motivation, there's entertainment, but there's also strategy to it. And so that we don't really have the ability to do on TV. It is totally different though than TV. I am very used to looking into a camera and not needing any feedback, ignoring feedback. The feedback that I get when I'm on camera might be people off in the distance, um, you know, yelling or making faces or, or jumping behind me, you know, trying to get on camera and and you do everything you can to ignore all of that. Right. Whereas when you're in front of an audience, you want to feed off of that feedback, whether it's, hey, I want to ride this positive momentum or, boy, I got to stir things up here a little bit because it, this might be falling flat. You always tell the pants story. The pants story. If you guys don't know the pants story, um, you need to hire Joel. Have him come in. Yeah, well, we'll just tease it out by and this is the kicker in, in at least one of my speeches. The 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 pants story basically has to do with with the Royals' visit to the White House to celebrate their championship in 2016, the 2015 World Series, August of 2016, and I forgot to pack pants. 
So we're going to leave it at that. And I did uh, not show up at the White House pantless, by the way. <laughs> now you ruined it. We had them kind of thinking that maybe you, you know. It's not an image anybody should think well, about. Well, there, there's, there's a good point. So to kind of uh, wrap things up, if you could leave one thought in people's minds um, from this, what would, what would that one thought be? You know what? I'll, I'll say it because I know everybody, it, everybody likes to find little ways to remember things, right? And so that's why I like acronyms and alliteration and all that type of stuff. But let, let's go with the three Ps. It's about people. I don't care whether you're talking baseball, you're talking insurance, whatever it is. It's about people, it's about process, it's about purpose. If you tie all those three together, I think that leads to culture. So it's about the people I say all the time. I, I'm not in the baseball business, I'm in the people business. And when you take care of the people business, the baseball stuff will happen. It's about process. That's true for culture. That's true with whatever we do. When you stick to your process, if it's a good one and you don't compromise that process, you're going to do well. And then I think something that I have learned, I want to get into this business of TV because it was my dream. I loved sports. Where's the purpose? I wanted to get into the speaking business. Well, you know, hey, chance to make some extra money, maybe tell some stories. Where's the purpose? But the purpose in TV is the fact that there are a lot of people that are watching that need that distraction, need that diversion from life, from paying the bills, from a divorce, from a right. you know, sick family member. And when you start to realize that there are people that are relying on you every single day, oftentimes from around the world, maybe serving in the military or laying in a hospital bed, there's a lot of purpose there. And w when you get out and, and, and do this speech and you realize that you can actually help make someone's life better, there's a purpose there. That's so people cool, process right? purpose. That's kind of cool. Making somebody's life, helping them it's the be best. better. Yeah. It's the best. So. Cool. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I thought of an acronym for you. Okay. Joel. Oh boy. Just one excellent lad. A lad, am I? <laughs> well, Not too much white hair. I had to add something, something with an L. Yeah. That was the best I could do at the spur of the moment. Well, thanks for uh, being thanks, on Frank. the program. This was fun. Yes. We should do this again. We can do it again. Our next uh, next podcast will be with Joel Goldberg. No, just, we will have you we'll back. We'll be back next yeah. time. Uh, that wraps up our session of the Core Build Podcast. Thank you to our guest, Joel Goldberg. Just one excellent lad. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. Want to hear more? Subscribe to the Core Build Podcast. Share it with your friends, colleagues, enemies, people you know, people you don't know. Everyone. Join us next time when we talk to another influential leader about how to create a thriving business. Adios.